Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Season five of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc., whose purpose is to create a brighter future with bold representation from underrepresented youth so we can realize the full potential of every one of us. Francis Greenberger joins us to mark the season five finale of Formative. Mr. Greenberger is a real estate developer, author, literary agent, and philanthropist. He's also the current chair of the board of New York Edge. We're so pleased he could join us. Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Brandelise from PS225X. Brandelise, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Brandelise. I'm in the seventh grade. My favorite subject is ELA. I really enjoy reading and writing. My favorite color, I'd say maroon red. It suits me the most. My favorite thing to do is probably to go out with family. I just like the time and how I just get to know them better each and every minute. What I want to be when I grow up, I want to be a business owner. I want to create businesses and become a multimillionaire by that. That's pretty much it. Well, Brandalisa, I think you're talking to the right guy today. I'm very excited to be speaking with you, Francis Greenberger. Okay, well, why don't you take it away, hon? I got a couple of questions to ask you. I just want to get to know you better. What inspired you to start doing real estate? Well, you know, I think I had a little bit of the motivation that you articulated, wanting to be successful and to make money. My father was good publisher, but he was not a great businessman. So when I grew up, we did not have a lot of money. When I was a kid, my friends had televisions, but we didn't get a television in our house until I was 11 years old. I watched my father be stressed by not having money, to some degree my mother, and not always being able to pay their bills and things like that. And I decided when I was young that I didn't want to be in that position. And since I watched my father in the publishing business not be financially successful, thought that maybe it was another business that I could go into. And I found that I had sort of an instinct for real estate. I was able to visualize buildings in my mind. If you told me a particular corner in New York, I could see the buildings there. So I sort of had a, a kind of visceral connection with real estate even before I began to understand the business. And then uh, one day I kind of got into it accidentally. had another couple of small book-related businesses that needed an office. And I went to rent the office. The man who had the office said, well, I have two offices for rent, and I want you to rent both of them, and I'll give you a very, very good deal. And I said, but I only need one office. I can only afford one office. But he said, I'm going to give you the second office very cheap, and you'll be able to rent it to somebody else for more money than you're paying me. So I thought about it and said, well, okay. And it just happened that same afternoon, I bumped into somebody who was looking for an office. So I took and showed them the second office that I didn't need. And they agreed to rent it for enough money to pay for, for both offices. So I got one for free. So I figured 
this is pretty good. That's kind of how I got started. So a combination of just kind of instinct and sense of architecture and the physicality of buildings together with seeing it as a good business opportunity. That's awesome to hear. Makes me want to be a real estate. Francis, is there a real estate project that you did that you love? That's something that is one of your favorite projects? Well, right now we're building a new building in Chicago called 1000M because we're building it on Michigan Avenue. It's a very big building and it will change the skyline of Chicago and probably be one of the nicest places to live in Chicago. And there's all kinds of special facilities in it that will make life there better for people. We have an indoor swimming pool, we have an outdoor swimming pool, we have a half court basketball court, we have children's lounges, we have teenage lounges, we have game rooms. So it's not only about the life that people have in their apartments, it's about the, their overall life. So I'm proud of that building. That's one of my newest projects, but I'm excited about it. What inspired you to become an author and why? Well, my family was involved in the publishing business. They, my father was what's called a literary agent, and a literary agent helps writers find a publisher for their books if they write one, and also negotiates the agreement with the publisher, the way sports agents represent sports figures, so literary agents represent authors. So I grew up in that world and, in fact, spent some of my early years working with my father. So I knew about the publishing business. And actually, when I was relatively young, I was working as a literary agent. And one of my clients had an idea for a book, which I thought was a good idea. And I encouraged her to write the book, but then she didn't do it. So one day she said, well, you know, I really don't want to do this thing, this book. So I said, well, if you want to sell the idea, I'll buy it from you and write the book myself. And she said, that'd be great. <laughs> and so I bought the idea for the book, which is a book about negotiation. So that's kind of, so I guess I was inspired by my background in the publishing business where I was helping writers and one day decided, oh, I'll try to be one of those folks that I was representing and trying to help. That's very nice to know. And thank you so much for answering that question. Who in your life encouraged you to become an author? Well, I wrote another book a few years ago, which was a book about my life. And there was somebody who was a childhood friend, really. And she had also worked in the publishing business. And she said to me, you should write the story of your life. And we would have lunch maybe two, three times a year. And every time she would say the same thing. And a couple of years later, one day she came to lunch and she said, I'm going to show you how to work on this book that I think you should do. And she took out her tape recorder and she said, answer my questions. And then I'm going to help you get started on writing the book. So I said, okay, we sat there at lunch. She had a bunch of questions, which I answered. And that sort of became the start of my memoir. She was definitely an important figure in my getting started the second time. So which of your books was your favorite? I think the more recent one, my, my memoir, 
The one about negotiation, when I look back on it, I wish I'd done a better job. <laughs> did you enjoy writing the book of your life? I did. It's interesting because part of it is you're revisiting your memories. And one of the things that I learned as I got older was that real-time experiences, what we're doing at any given time, are very enjoyable. But in a way, memories can be almost equally enjoyable. And so writing this book brought me back in touch with a lot of my memories, friendships, things that I did. And so it was a very interesting journey as I revisited so many important moments in my life. What are some big milestones about your career? Well, there have been a number of them. And so I do work in the real estate and investment business. And I also do work with several different not-for-profit organizations like New York Edge. And so an important milestone in my career was when I was busy being a young business person, decided that I wanted to also do things that were less about making money, but more mission-driven, and decided to devote my time to three areas that I was interested in. One of them is art, the second one is education, and the third one is criminal justice reform, changing the criminal justice system, which I think is broken and doesn't work as well as it can. Can I turn it around and ask you, and I know you've had a much shorter life than I had, but what have been some important milestones in your life? I've met a lot of people that were very helpful to me, and I've really enjoyed spending time with them and making memories with them. Are there one or two favorites that come to mind? Yeah, I have a few favorites. I made this recent friend, and her name is Nairi, and she's very, like, she listens, and then she also speaks to me, and it always, like, it's something that I can relate to. So she's definitely one. I also have this other friend, Jamie, been there for a minute. So I really enjoyed spending time with her. Those are honestly my top two. What I've discovered is suppose those friendships last a lifetime. The person that I was describing who helped me with my book, I've known her since I was five years old. That's almost 70 years ago, and we're still in touch. So some of those friends that you're making now, because later on, might be very helpful to you and important to you and continue friendships for long periods of time. So if you find some good friends, hold on to them. Glad to know. Brenda Lee, what kind of business do you want to start? I've been thinking about that, and I still don't know, but... I want to create a business where everybody is involved in, like anybody. I don't know, but I just want everybody to be able to be part of it and just create a better environment by that business. Well, if I could make one suggestion, because in the words that you used, you know, the great challenge of your generation is the environment in the future. And we all know that there are things that the world has been doing for a long time that turn out to be bad for 
the environment. And we have to change the world in order to make it a better place. And there are many different ways to help the environment. And in business, if you can solve a problem that somebody has, that's often a good route to both having success as well as having meaningful impact from the work. You might think about that. We're reinventing a lot of the world today with new energy sources and all kinds of new ways of living so that there's a good world for, for everybody in the future. It's an actually an area that I've recently gotten involved in, which is called renewable energy. And I'm trying to make an impact. It has nothing to do with real estate, but I decided that it's an area that I could be helpful in and find business and economic success. Thank you. How were you introduced to New York Edge? So one of the things that I like to do is play tennis. And I was in a tennis tournament in upstate New York, about two hours outside the city. And there was somebody there who I knew a little bit from tennis, and a couple of other places. His name is Skip Hartman, and he was the founder of New York Edge. And he said to me, please join my board because I'm getting older and I need to retire. And so it was Skip Hartman who brought me into the organization. Why do you think New York is an important organization? Well, I think that students who don't have as much sports programming, arts programming, or academic help, mentoring in their lives can be helped greatly having the kinds of programs that New York Edge offers. It will make them stronger, better young people, and also help them in their regular studies during the day. And I just think it's a very important part of helping young people develop themselves and reach their potential. So I feel very lucky to be part of New York Edge how do you feel about New York Edge? New York Edge is important to me because I've learned how to play new sports. I've also learned how to set goals in my life. I've also bonded with some staffs, and I just enjoy it overall. You know, those are the best possible reasons. Also... I wanted to ask if you travel to other schools and speak to children. Sure. So I have, of course, visited a number of schools that New York Edge has programs in. But I also lecture real estate students who are studying on a college level. So I do that at Baruch uh, School of Business, which is part of the City College in New York. I've done it at... Uh, NYU. So, you know, I take every opportunity that I can to interact with students on all levels, because not only do you get to share what you know with them, they share with you what they know, and very often they know things that you don't know. What inspired you to travel around the world? Well, I get 
guess I started traveling at a pretty young age because I, I was pretty mature as a teenager, sort of way ahead of my years. And I remember I went on my first big trip by myself when I was 15 or 16. I actually went to Europe. And I discovered that when you travel, you not only learn about how people live in other places and you learn about their histories and you learn about their cultures, but you also have some distance from your own daily life. And you often come to understand things about what you're doing back home differently than when you're in the middle of it. So it's sort of invaluable in gaining perspective. It's probably one of the most meaningful educational experiences that one can have and personally enriching. So it became a very important part of my life. And I began to understand people differently. Francis, could you also tell us about the Greenberger Center for Social Justice and why criminal justice reform is important to you? Well, you know, it all started because one of my sons got into difficulty and got involved in the criminal justice system. And even though I didn't know much about how the system worked before then, once he was involved, I began to learn quickly. And as I spent time working on his issues, I figured out that there were problems with the system, and even the people who were running the system weren't convinced that it was a good system. So after I did the best I could for my son, although he ended up being incarcerated, I decided to try to work on what I saw as being wrong with the system and see whether I could help change it. And I began by talking with a lot of people, leaders in the field. And I was talking not only to people who were running the system, but I was talking with inmates who were incarcerated and everybody in between. And I came to realize what a lot of people then became more aware of, that the criminal justice system was broken, was wrong, and was not really helping the problem and was in a way making it worse. And that's how I started the Greenbooker Center. I researched you and it came up that you were a philanthropist. You should tell me about that. When I was pretty young, I decided that I wanted to work on some things that didn't have to do with making money, but helping people. And I chose art, education, and criminal justice. And I looked for ways that I could be involved in those three fields. And um, my first idea was to give a prize to artists who were very good, but weren't well known to help them develop. So that was kind of the first thing that I did that was not about making money, but was kind of about helping artists establish themselves. And that was kind of the beginning of my philanthropic work. Basically, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to start things and develop them into businesses or organizations. And that just makes me feel good. I didn't think of myself as being a philanthropist in the beginning. I just thought of myself as wanting to be helpful in different ways. If you succeed in your 
ambition of making a lot of money. Do you think you'll want to be involved in some not-for-profit activities? As long as I'm earning money that I can use and enjoy and definitely donate, I'll be happy to. All right. So it's something that you have in the back of your mind, too. I mean, of course, you want to be able to eat first, make sure that your children have what they need. But then if you have extra, being able to help others is really a great privilege. Right. Well, that was my last question. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm 100% glad that I interviewed you. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for answering my questions and sharing with me a little bit about your life and how you think. Of course. So, Francis, we have one question, our final question, that we'll ask our guests at the end of the show. Knowing all that you know now, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? Well, I guess one advice I would give myself is have confidence in the future. Believe in the future and know that, of course, you're going to face problems. Everybody, no matter who they are, has problems. So it doesn't matter where you go, but have confidence that you will be able to find solutions to the problems. It may not be easy solutions, but one of the things that we learn as we get older is that we can find solutions to most problems. There are some problems that we can't solve, but a lot of things we can help and make less difficult. So have confidence in your ability to solve problems and in the future. That's number one. And the second thing is I've learned a lot about life business from mentors, people that I became friendly with. In some cases, they were just personal friends. Sometimes they were business friends. But those were the people that I learned the most from. So I found it in my life that when I found somebody that I really thought had some important things to say, I listened very carefully and I made an effort to spend time with them. So those are the two things that have helped me enormously as I've grown up. Brandelise, what do you think about that advice? I'm going to take that advice. <laughs> well, that's great. I think you'll find it's a good way to to advance your path in life. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you both for being on today's show. It was so nice to be with you. I wish you both a great day. Thank you so much, Rachel, Brandelise. I enjoyed this a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick. My co-host today was Brandon Lees from PS225X in the Bronx. She was assisted by Jasmine. Season five of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. This episode was produced by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.